Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Leah, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, May 8th, 2013. Today we're reading from the big book. You'll find us in Bill's story on page 11, the first excuse me, the second full paragraph beginning with the wars which had been fought. Today's readers are Helena, Michelle, Kimmy, and Fran, and the share ID number for yesterday's meeting, that's Tuesday, May 7th, is 4415. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, Our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now call on Rose to read the 12 steps. Thank you, Leah. My name is Rose, and I am a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in New York. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters 
into practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you. I will now call on Margaret Kay to read the 12 Traditions. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Margaret Kay in South Jersey, compulsive overeater. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority. A loving God is he express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous, except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose. Carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group would never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or out the enterprise, thus problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever unprofessional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA should never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relation policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, NIPS. Thank you. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star 1 to unmute. Once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star 1 to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. And today we resume our study of the big book. We are in Bill's story on page 11, that second full paragraph beginning with the wars which had been fought. And I will ask Helena to begin reading, please. Good morning. This is Helena, recovered compulsive overeater in South Jersey. Page 11. The wars which had been fought, the burnings and chicanery that religious dispute had facilitated made me sick. I honestly doubted whether, on balance, the religions of mankind had done any good. Judging from what I had seen in Europe and since, the power of God in human affairs was negligible, the brotherhood of man a grim jest. If there was a devil, he seemed the boss universal, and he certainly had me. 
Um, I'd like to share a little on this. Uh, Bill W. is listening to Ebby, and he is having to really look at what he has believed about God. And he's uh, believed a lot of things that are very negative based on his experience. He's been through a war. He's seen terrible things. And he also knows that he himself has done things that he does not want to do. The devil has him. Um, he doubted all along whether there was much good in religion. Bill is a very smart man. He's very intellectual. Um, he believes in God, as he said in a few paragraphs, uh, in a power greater than himself. Um, and that's pretty much it. And when he looks at what religion has done, he is uh, looking at all the negative things that religion has done. He has been able to find a way to protect himself from the idea of a God that is personal to him, a God that is good. I, too, can look at everything that's negative, everything. I can find reasons to identify out instead of to identify in. And there are many things in my life. There are tragedies in my life. Sometimes there are difficult things in my life. And if I focus on them, I'm doomed. The question I've heard many times and the question I also have asked, why does God allow these things? And the implication is, if he allows these terrible things, then I don't trust him, I don't want him. And it's the wrong question. For me, it is the wrong question, and it seems that for Bill it was also the wrong question. Not why does God do this, but I, knowing that I need God. I need God, and it is not the question, why does he allow these terrible things, but can I trust in him enough to get through them? We're going to be told later um, in how it works that just to the extent that we trust and believe God and do as we think that he would have us, does he allow us to meet calamity with serenity? Bill has come to understand after these, after the next few pages, we will see that Bill will come to trust in God not to have his questions answered why these terrible things happen. I don't need these questions answered. I am not told that life will treat me with kid gloves. It will not. It does not treat anyone with kid gloves. And yet, the way that I can get through and to match calamity with serenity is to trust God and do what I think he would have me do. And uh, Bill is beginning to understand this path. Thank you, Helena. Would anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Star one to unmute. Rose. Rose, go ahead. Thank you, Leah. Uh, this is Rose, recovered compulsive reader. Um, boy, I, this paragraph does really, really um, relate to me in that <clears throat> I remember I lived in New York City for eight years, and that, those were the years before um, uh, that's where I came into Ovaries Anonymous. And I, I'd uh, walk around, you know, I'd walk to work or be in the streets there, and this was at the height of what I called my atheism, um, it was essentially atheism because I had um, literally, when I got out of college, I, I, it wasn't a formal act, but it was an internal act really in my guts where I, I looked around and, and thought, uh, 
forget God for me, that's for sure. I mean, whether there is one or is one, is not one, it didn't really make any difference. There was no God in my life. I felt no connection. I had no use for God. I was the doer. Um, if I wasn't pulling myself up by my bootstraps, then it wasn't going to happen. And uh, needless to say, I was up to my eyeballs in, in addiction, in uh, compulsive overeating especially. And, um, and, and it was very much like this that, um, you know, I, I can remember in the, walking the streets of New York City going wherever, and I'd see people lying on the sidewalk, and, and uh, the, the people I hung out with, I, you know, there's one story after another. And like Helena said, you know, you can look around and see why does evil exist, why are these horrible things going. I had no answers. I couldn't stop uh, compulsively overeating. I couldn't stop behaving in an immoral manner that I had no explanation for. I was driven to live a life that consisted of evil myself. And I, I was totally blocked off from, from uh, seeing that there might be a higher power that could restore me to sanity. I mean, there was nothing along that line until, of course, when I came into my first meeting and, and heard um, uh, knowledge that I never heard of in my life from other people in recovery. So th this is really a, a paragraph that speaks directly to where I was myself prior to coming to my first meeting and being exposed to this book specifically and to the 12 steps um, to then have the first experience of knowing that there was a power greater than me. Um, who was a loving being. But with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Rose. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Well, my name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Uh, Bill is definitely having a hard time here <laughs> um, because, you know, his friend, Ebby, who's sitting across the table here, uh, who's sober, you know, has uh, shouted, you know, I've got religion. Um, and, of course, Bill is now being flooded by these memories of uh, his, the adults in his life and, and their opinions uh, and impressions regarding religion, and it says, you know, yes, the other day we studied uh, that statement, I became irritated and my mind snapped shut against such a theory. Um, it says, the wars which had been fought, the burnings and chicanery, the trickery, that religious dispute had facilitated made me sick. Um, you know, these are ideas and attitudes and outlooks upon life that Bill had determined for himself. Uh, he had determined that that makes him sick, that there was essentially hypocrisy. I honestly doubted with unbalance the religions of mankind had done any good. <laughs> this is, you know, Bill essentially playing God. You know, he stated previously that he believes there's a God, uh, but he's been acting as if he disbelieves there's a God. 
Uh, he's been running his own show. He's been standing on his own two feet. He's been ruling his own destiny. And, of course, you and I, because we've been studying his story, know exactly where that got him. That got him to the quicksand because he never turned to God for help, and he got the same help from God that the atheist gets, gets which is nothing. He had no knowledge of God. That's why later he wrote a chapter called We Agnostics, which essentially means we without knowledge. You know, so Bill is having a hard time. He's got pride, a lot of pride, because his intellect has been running his show, and he has a lot of prejudice. Prejudice is opinions that are formed without due knowledge or examination. You know, he's been judging prematurely and irrationally those things which he really, he's not equipped to judge. But what what's happened here? What's happened here is Bill has a lot of information that he didn't have before. He's gotten an accurate description of the problem of alcoholism from Dr. Silkworth. So he has that. But he's also, you know, learned from Ebby that the solution to the problem is... Uh, you know, is going to be spiritual in nature. So he's kind of stuck between a rock and a hard place. You know, he's got this disease that he can't control. It's like a runaway train. And on the other hand, uh, if he wants to be rescued from the quicksand, the only way to be rescued is to be delivered from it uh, by the hands of a higher power. Can he take that leap? Uh, he's having a hard time thinking this through. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph before we move on? Um, I just have one quick thing I'd like to say. This is Colleen, a compulsive overeater. I can't help but... um, If there is a higher power, is there not a lower power? If there is a God, is there not a devil? And we get to choose. On this earth, God has given us all free agency. And we can choose him or we can choose the disease. And it's up to us. And there are evil people on this earth that make evil choices that cause disaster and horrible things. It's not God that does that. It's people. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Colleen. And I heard another voice. Irini. Irini, go ahead, please. Thank you, Leah. Good morning, my Spiritual brothers and sisters, my name is Irini, and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. The wars which have been fought, well, he has, you know, the battle of war within him, within ourselves, within himself. You know, our emotions and doing the right thing, pulling us apart, focusing what? On our problems or on our solution. <clears throat> having, you know, one leg in the quicksand or is it one leg on 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 the rock or being self-centered or being governed um by a higher power, being selfish or or living in um spiritual principles. This is the constant battle within all of us. Um are we being governed by our disease or do we choose to be governed by our higher by our higher power, this is um, this is the war that has been fought within all of us. I thank you and I pass. Thank you, Irini. Let's move on to the next paragraph, please, with Michelle. 
Good morning. Thank you, Leah. Good morning, everyone. This is Michelle H. in Missouri, grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. But my friend sat before me, and he made the point-blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. His human will had failed. Doctors had pronounced him incurable. Society was about to lock him up. Like myself, he had admitted complete defeat. Then he had, in effect, been raised from the dead, suddenly taken from the scrap heap to a level of life better than the best he had ever known. And so, you know, previously, uh, in the previous chapter, Bill is is reminiscing, and he's building his case on, on um, how he hasn't believed that God could be a power in human affairs that would produce this kind of effect. He says the power of God in human affairs was negligible. And then in the very next paragraph it says, but, but here's evidence otherwise. Here's my friend who sits before me, and um, <clears throat> he had asked him, you know, what had happened, and he said he got religion. And it says that he talked for hours. And in the telling, you know, his mind is racing like my mind often was racing at the beginning when people were carrying the message to me and telling me that the solution was that I needed a power greater than myself because I had a spiritual malady. It wasn't just in my body. It was also in my mind. I needed a spiritual solution. And so here's evidence of proof that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. So God's power in human affairs, maybe it wasn't so negligible because here his human will had failed. So who had to come in? It had to be the power of God when his will had failed. And he was incurable. What else could be the explanation here? Got, you know, Bill's starting to see a little light. There is a little crack in his shell, and in his own building up of a, a negative defense, there's a little crack there. And he's starting to compare himself. He's starting to identify, and he's saying, well, like, just like me, you know, he's, he's admitted complete defeat. And then there was this effect in him. Um, what was that effect? Could it be possibly the power of God? Um, what else could raise him from the dead? And um, and to a life better, better than he had ever known, and you know I can I can say the same is true for me as a recovered compulsive overeater, and um, it all began with um, these steps, um, and that's how I could build a relationship with God, <clears throat> because that's what Evie was telling him, and that's what Bill was doubting. He said when they talked of God of a personal um, <clears throat> nature, um, how you know, Bill didn't know how to do that. Um, and my story is a little different in that I, I did believe, well, not so much different. I believed in God, and so did Bill. Um, I believed that it was all the, um, oh, I would say, upbringing, maybe the rituals, maybe the ceremonies and traditions that I was brought up in in a faith and couldn't understand why that wasn't enough, um, why, you know, what, what more was needed. How, and then how did I get this power if I didn't already have the power by practicing a faith, and I had to let go of those beliefs um, that what I had was enough because certainly it wasn't, and I wasn't because I hadn't surrendered. I hadn't said that my human will had failed. I was still trying, trying to control, trying to direct, trying to be in charge. That's what was missing for me in my personal relationship or finding a personal relationship and developing a personal relationship so that power could come in. I had to admit complete defeat. And I had to admit that my human will had failed. Then God could come in and do for me. 
what I could not do for myself <clears throat> by practicing this, this simple program of um, of action. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Michelle. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Hi, this is Sunny. Can you hear me? Sonia? Oh, it's Sunny. Sunny and then Katie. Go ahead, Sunny. Okay. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. I like what what I'm most grateful about is um, these these lines in the big book is that we get to hear, we get to read and experience Bill's process. It's almost like he's sharing with us the the transformation that's happening. And um, I love that we can, you know, when I, um, when I read this, I can see that he's reviewing in his mind that this illusionment that he has with um, religion. And he's, he's, he, I almost feel like he's walking us through this process. He's thinking about the hypocrisy. He's, he's going back to his childhood, the things that almost like flashes. Um, and, it, you know, I can really relate to this, where he's starting to, he's starting, like, like someone said, to see a, li- a little flicker of light. And, um, but it seems like kind of confusing compared to what his experience has been. And I can relate to that. You know, I have, um, I've always had a sense of God. I, I can't say that I was ever an atheist, but, but my compulsive overeating was that one area that I was really confused about, especially in my spiritual circles, because, you know, at church, um, there seems to be so many, it, it seemed like, Every once in a while we would hear about somebody who was recovered or healed from alcoholism or, or cocaine addiction. But I never, I never saw or heard about anybody becoming recovered with the food. Um, in my circles of spirituality, potluck, um, bringing desserts, the fellowship had to do with cookie swaps. And it just, and I, I could see so many other women that were compulsive overeaters as well. We all just seem to suffer and have, uh, you know, Bible studies together, and it just didn't compute. So I'm so grateful for this program and for Vision for You because I, I, I'm getting it. I can see it, and I'm experiencing it. And there's such a great opportunity to share with other people and for people to just see because I don't think um, that... Well, in my experience, I didn't come upon anybody who had experienced recovery um, like this. So I just love this reading, and I'm uh, grateful for all of you. Thank you. Thanks, Sunny. Katie, please. Good morning. I'm Katie, a recovered compulsive overeater in Virginia. And I didn't jump in on the last paragraph because I wanted to to combine it with this paragraph because, um, you know, the boss universal certainly had me and that's where I was and but then um, he goes on to say but my friend sat before me and he made the point blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself and that is what has to happen is I have to admit that I do not know how to do this on my own and for me it's uh, you know 
getting out of my own way. There's so much information out there. There's so much information about dieting and willpower and, you know, counting points and doing this, you know, doing this during the week and doing that on the weekend. And, you know, we're bombarded with this idea that we are supposed to be able to control this problem. And, you know, I think it's pretty widespread that people know that an alcoholic cannot drink alcohol. But somehow we're supposed to figure out how to eat food. And I could not do that on my own. And I could not do that on my own willpower. And I really believed that I was hopelessly um, incapable of being honest with myself and that I was just doomed to have this miserable existence. But then I met some people who had this flicker of hope and had this... um, you know, I went to a meeting, to an OA meeting, where there were people who were recovered. I could see it in their eyes. As, as uh, this talks about so much, that, that Bill could see in Ebby's eyes that there was something different. And that's what I saw um, in people that were recovered, that they had something different, and I wanted it. And I didn't have enough belief on my own. Um, but God, you know, did um, give me the faith that I needed to put one foot in front of the other. And, you know, I was like him. My human will has failed. Um, And so I'm just so grateful that we, you know, as someone shared, can watch uh, Bill's spiritual awakening because I, you know, can see myself in this story that, you know, I suddenly was able to take that pause before I picked up the food there was, you know, God give, gave, continues to give me the um, ability to stop and to think before I do the next right, I mean, the next wrong thing and do the right thing. That'll pass. Thank you, Katie. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Christy. I heard Christy, and who else? Monica. Oh, that would be Monica. And Paula. So Christy, Monica, and Paula, please. Good morning. A vision for you. This is Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And I just, I too love the transition between these two paragraphs because to me what it seems like Bill is experiencing is, um, you know, evidence sitting in front of him. He, you know, it doesn't matter what he believes in his head or what he learned when he was a kid and all of those um, rules that he, you know, developed and stuck by for years and years and years. What's happening for Bill is that he is sitting across the table from evidence, from evidence. You know, I mean, you know, it's almost like in his head he's saying, wow, okay, no matter what I'm saying, as I look across the table, here's someone that I knew personally that I used to drink with who has transformed, who was labeled as incurable, who was ready to be locked up, and who was very similar to me. And this person is bright-eyed and fresh-faced and um you know, excited to be here telling me about this experience that he's had. And that is the case with me. I just needed one person. All I needed was one person sitting across the, you know, table in theory from me telling me that they had recovered. 
And, um, you know, whether it's one person on the phone line that you hear that, you know, sounds like they've got recovery or they've got something that you want, or whether it's someone who was happened to be for me in a face-to-face -face meeting who I saw the light in their eyes, like Katie said, and I... I didn't care what I had to do. I didn't care what I had to do. I didn't care what they told me. They did. Even if it, me, even if it meant I had to believe in a power greater than myself. And that's not what they started with, with me. You know, they started with step one. I want what you have. I want what you have, and I'll, I don't care what it takes. I'll do it. And they didn't say, you've got to believe in God. That's not the first thing they said to me. And, you know, today I'm grateful that they didn't. Although at that point in time, it didn't matter. I would have done whatever they said. And, uh, you know, we started with step one. Put down the food. And then let's get busy. And then let's get busy working steps two through 12. That's what happened for me. And, you know, I, I mean, I've had people call me and say, I, I want you to sponsor me. Um, I want what you have. But here are the things that I don't want to do. And, you know, all I can do is tell you what worked for me. Everybody doesn't have to do what I did. Everyone doesn't have to do what I do. You know, I, my hope for everyone on this line is that you find the recovery that's available in the big book, that you find this recovery, that, you know, that you too, like Ebby, you know, can be raised from the dead and be taken from the scrap heap to a level of life better than the best you've ever known. That is my hope for everyone here. I have no idea how you're going to get there. All I know is how I got there. And, I'm, and I, you know, I too have had that experience. My life has been transformed. I have a life better today than anything I ever could have imagined. Thanks to the grace of a higher power. You know, my limited little brain you know, had no idea the possibilities that, were, that are endless out there in the world. And, you know, I'm so glad for that, that today I can just let things unfold and, you know, let whatever happens with my higher power in my life unfold in my life today. I don't have to try to run the show. Crazy Christy, you know, with, uh, you know, <laughs> with crazy ideas. I'm just... Um, so grateful for that and uh, grateful for this meeting and the opportunity. Thanks so much, and I'll pass. Thank you, Christy. Monica, please. Thank you, Leah. Good morning. My name is Monica. I am a recovered compulsive overeater, and diddle, diddle to what Christy just said. And this paragraph starts with the word but. But. My friend sat before me, and he made the point-blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. So, like was mentioned in the paragraph before, it's all very negative. Um, Bill is going through the process here of step two and coming to uh, work it out in his head about needing a, a power greater than himself. And he's had all this negative stuff, you know. Well, gosh, you know, religion ha certainly hasn't done anything as far as I'm concerned. And then this paragraph starts, but, 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 okay, things are going to change here. And he made the point blank declaration, point blank, straightforward, blunt, without hesitation or deliberation. There was no hesitation on Ebby's part. This was the answer. God has done for him what he couldn't do for himself. 
And those who have recovered, this is what you're always going to hear. This is the bottom line. It's God, it's God, it's God. Why? Because I am totally powerless over this. You know, like Abby, I had failed. It seemed hopeless, uh, incurable. Um, um, and what did what did what had to happen? Admitted complete defeat. I am powerless, and when I stop clawing, stop trying to do it my way, trying to think my way out of it, using my willpower, my determination, my self-knowledge, because none of that worked, and I tried over and over and over again, I had to admit complete defeat. I was powerless, and I needed something power, more powerful than I that could take care of this. And Ebby is saying here that, yes, there is a power that's God, and he did for him what he couldn't do for himself. And I, too, will say the same thing. It's God, it's God, it's God. And he does for me every day what I cannot do for myself when I ask him and I take actions. And with that, I pass. Thanks, Monica. And Paula, please. And Marjorie. And then Marjorie. This will be Paula joining her voice in Recovered um, Compulsive Eater. You know, I want to scoot down to that last line, then he had. But before that, I want to say the identification. Like myself, he had admitted complete defeat. And then we proceed. That is the only way you can proceed. And then he says, then he had, in effect... I want to read this word in effect. Effect, that which is produced, a produced result, purpose, validity, striking appearance, impression produced by a work of art. Sounds like the creator and the created to me. But hear this, I would like to add, been raised from the dead. Now, don't you think that's kind of strong words? Raised from the dead? I mean, isn't that strong? I mean, this man was alive. Before this transformation, he was walking dead. He cared for no one or nothing. That's what Bill could identify with. Suddenly taking from the scrap heap. Now, do you know what a scrap heap is? I mean, there's nothing good there. What's good at a scrap heap? To a level now. We consider a scrap heap the bottom of the barrel to a level of life better than the best he had ever known. And he ends it with an explanation point, not a period. Well done, Bill. Thank you. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula and Marjorie. This is Marjorie. I am a recovered food addict. One of the things that I noticed in this paragraph is Bill is making an observation about Ebby. He says, like myself, he had committed, he had admitted complete defeat. And I'm making an observation about Bill that when he is saying that God had done for Ebby what he could not do for himself, I'm saying the same thing. God has done for Bill what Bill could not do for himself. And part of that 
is not only that Bill's not going to drink again, but that he has been able to admit complete defeat. That was the one thing that kept me going back to the food for nine years after walking into Overeaters Anonymous. I had not committed, admitted complete defeat. Well, maybe if I try this different food plan, or maybe if I do this, or maybe if I do that, I still have a job. I, I haven't been locked up. I haven't um, been eating out of dumpsters yet. Although a lot of the things that I would have considered complete defeat when I first walked in did happen. And I still didn't admit complete defeat. So it's the power of God was necessary for Bill to admit complete defeat, not only to stay sober, but to admit complete defeat. And that's been the same for me. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Marjorie. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? Dana? Dana, go ahead. Hi, good morning. This is Dana, compulsive eater in Dallas, Texas. So grateful to be on this meeting. So great. I mean, <laughs> I'm getting like triple doses of this because I'm the two people I'm working with are we're right in this part of the book, and um, and then hearing it, you know, as we've been going through it each morning. Um, it reminds me of Debbie speaking to Bill. Reminds me of this meeting speaking to the you know hundreds of people that dial in. Um, because especially there are so many that have been, you know, unfortunately been in the rooms for so long and still struggling with the disease. And, um, you know, hearing recovered people speak about their newfound freedom and relationship with God, um, when I first came to this meeting, because I was been in OA for so long and, and with, with, with lot, you know, with, definite movement of success, and I, you know, of course, if you judge a thin body, I was successful, but I was still crazy in my head, and uh, in a lot of ways, and also didn't really understand, truthfully, really the problem. Um, when I came to this meeting and I heard recovered people speak about their new relationship with God after being delivered and working through the steps out of the book, you know, that I heard their stories. They talked about what it was like. You know, uh, someone says, you know, she came with tombstones in her eyes. You know, like, I know what that feels like. And now to hear it, to hear, to hear it differently, that, that, I, I couldn't see it in myself. I had to see it in the recovered people, just like Bill sees it in Evie. Um, and then, you know, like, like Monica said, you know, he's in step two right now. He's coming to believe. It's, having to like think about it and, and it's all going to fly around in his head and, and he's, he's having to like examine in, 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 inside himself what, you know, can he, the past and, and, and seeing Evie in the future and hit and how, the, you know, where he's at and how he knew Evie was so in the quicksand and now he's not, you know, you can't get yourself out of quicksand. So, you know, we're going to read in a minute about like where did this power come from? But what, what I want to share also is that, you know, and, and thank God, I mean, I, I was speaking to someone yesterday. I mean, it is, I am so grateful 
you know, that I, you know, that uh, my friend Eunice told me about this meeting back in November because I literally got raised from the dead and, and the, um, you know, my, my saying now is we'll get you off the roller coaster, but we're going to put you on the merry-go-round, you know, because steps 10, 11, and 12, you know, we just keep doing it. We got to keep, it's a keep on keeping on kind of thing. And step 11, I'm developing that relationship with God. Step two is just coming to believe. It's not having access to the power. It's just believing that that power is there and that I can have access to it. Um, in my experience, that I, I, step two was not enough for me. That wasn't going to keep me. And even step three, I had to do the remaining steps. I had to take all that action, like someone said, because step two is just the beginning. It's the very beginning. And um, a lot of times I hear people say, you know, just turn it over. Just step one, two, three, step one, two, three. Well, step one, two, three is all in my head, which has got me in a bad place a lot of the time. You know, I had to actually, I'm grateful for the the people who, you know, showed me the, the, the roadmap, the book, and took me on the tour, as I like to say, and um, so that I could have an experience, um, my own experience, to, to connect with a power greater than myself, because that really is the point. It's really not, a, it's, I mean, the food has to be down in order to have that, but um, I'm just grateful. I'm grateful for the coming to believe and, you know, and that it's a, sometimes it's a process. For some, it's quick. For some, it's slow. And then for those of us like me who came with, well, when I first came to OA, I had no conception of God at all. But as I developed my relationship with God, I actually, you know, I even came back to my religion, which is what the book talks about and what many people do do. Um, but for people that, but then I had to re-examine it again. Like, what was my new level of agnosticism? Where was I agnostic right now? What was I not believing that God could help me with now? Knowing there's God, knowing that there's a power, but having to actually upgrade um, in order for me to in order for me to recover. So I'm just really grateful that step two is not the the end; that it's just the beginning, but a powerful beginning at that. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Dana. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Um, it says here, but my friend sat before me, and he made the point blank, point blank declaration that God had done for him what he could not do for himself. But my friend sat before me. And, of course, that friend is Ebby, and this is Bill's story. And this is where the identification process is so important because Bill knew Ebby. <laughs> they were old buddies. They were old drinking buddies. And Bill knew how Ebby drank. You know, Bill knew that Ebby was a hopeless drunk. He knew that if Ebby was staying sober, some power, something has happened to Ebby. Something was working in Ebby's life. And Bill may not like it. You know, his mind uh, snapped shut against this theory. He might not like it, but that's beside, beside the point. Something has worked for Ebby. You know, Ebby is sitting there as living proof of it. He's living proof of it. And that's what sponsorship and that's what recovered people are all about. Recovered people are living proof that some power greater than human power is working in our lives also. So that's what those of us that are recovered, that's what we have to offer newcomers. When we talk to newcomers, we are living proof. We're saying we used to live like that. We used to drink like 
you. We, you know, eat like, like uh, I used to chew my boots, you know. I was in the quicksand. But some power greater than human power is working in my life. And whether the newcomer likes that idea or not is beside the point because we who are recovered are living proof of it. Abby's living proof of it to Bill. You know, Bill doesn't like it, but again, that's beside the point. You know, so despite Bill's critique of organized religion and despite his uh, grandfather's good-natured contempt of church folk, uh, despite Bill's rebelliousness, despite Bill's intellectual pride, despite Bill's reflection on reflection on eagle evil and how uh, he's going to reconcile, intellectually reconcile a loving God, you know, when there's all kinds of apparent wrong in the world. Despite all that going on between his ears, Bill cannot deny and he cannot doubt the bottom line. He himself is drunk and Ebby is sober. He can't deny that. So we experience God when resistance stops at a point here where he's gone from suffering and suffering and suffering because he wants to do it his own way, his own way, his own way, his own way. And when we get to a place called surrender, that's when resistance stops. And we go from our mind and our intellect where resistance lives to our spirit where we can be free. And with that, I pass. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? It's Irini. Irini, go ahead. Thank you, Leah. Good morning, my spiritual fellows. My name is Irini, gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. God has done for him what he could not do for himself. And for me, that means coming out of darkness and into the light. And just like we need light for the sun, from the sun, for us to see and to be nurtured with vitamin D and for the plants and for things to grow. We need God's light to keep us out of our darkness and for us to grow and to be nurtured and, and to follow his spiritual light, which, which is really the truth, which means that God can heal our pain and can melt away all the things that we've been blocked from the spirit of the light and gives us so much hope. I thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Irini. Let's go to the next paragraph with Kimmy, please. Thank you, Leah. This is Kimmy, Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Connecticut. Had this power originated in him? Obviously, it had not. There had been no more power in him than there was in me in that minute, and that was none at all. That floored me. It began to look as though religious people were right after all. Here was something at work in a human heart which had done the impossible. My ideas about miracles were drastically revised right then. Never mind the musty past. Here sat a miracle directly across the kitchen table. He shouted great tidings. And um, the thing that comes to mind about this paragraph is it's just like such a pivotal turning point in Bill's story. My ideas about miracles were drastically revised right then. That's where Bill now becomes open-minded. On page 10 at the last sentence, 
I became irritated and my mind snapped shut such a theory, closed-minded. And I know that in recovery, my program shifted when I went from that closed-minded to an open-minded place. He had no defense against anything that Ebby was saying. At this moment, he now became open-minded. The things that Ebby were saying now started to sink in for him. And the other thing that sort of comes to mind is, you know, a sick man cannot cure a sick man. And what we see here is Bill is realizing that he is stepping outside of himself at this point. He is now saying, like, I am sick and I cannot cure my sick mind. This is something I share a lot with uh, sponsees that, you know, with our sick minds and being ill in the disease, our lives, that's our reality. The way that the things that we had seen, and, you know, Bill talks about, like, you know, what had, you know, nothing had gone well for me, and judging what I've seen from Europe, like, there was no God. That was his reality. But as we all know, like, reality shows are not reality. They're scripted. And so when we step outside of that and say, this might not be my reality, all of a sudden, we go from being closed-minded to being open-minded. And that open-minded brings about all kinds of new possibilities, new beliefs, a new willingness. It allows us to see things, whereas before, we couldn't. It's, you know, an open open eyes, open mind, closed eyes, closed mind. And this is really where he sort of says, hmm, I'm now questioning, like, maybe there is something to what he is saying. Maybe there he had this power and there had been no more power in him than there had been in me. It'd been in me. Hmm, like, what's this all about? And this is really where the turning part starts to happen and he starts to see that the open-mindedness is the key to, you know, really accepting step one. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Kimmy. Anyone else like to comment on this paragraph? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Leah. Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. Had this power originated in him, obviously it had not. Now, why is it obvious? Look at all that we have learned. You know, Bill went to Dr. Silkworth, and Dr. Silkworth told him, although you've been foolish and selfish, you have been sick both bodily and mentally. Bill now understands that he has an allergy of the body, and when he picks up these foods, this, this alcohol, he has a physical reaction which will never change. But what is killing him is the larger aspect of the disease, that, that mental twist that regardless of if the alcohol is in him or not, that's going to tell him to go back to that alcohol. And that is reflected back to him in Ebby because he knows Ebby. He understands that Ebby drank like he drank. Ebby thought like he thought. Ebby felt like he felt. And he's saying that if the power was not in him and he's standing before me bright-eyed, you know, flatly stating that God has done for him what he could not do himself, he was te- it was a testament to that what God could do. So it was obvious to him. You know, he had to look for that power, regardless whether he wanted to or not. I mean, I love the saying. It says, religion is for people who are afraid of hell. 
and spirituality is for people who've already been there. Bill and Ebby have been in hell. They've been in that quicksand. And Bill wants out. So it's obvious to him if his friend can do it, so can he. But it's only because he understands that Ebby is him. He understands he has the allergy of the body. He understands he has the obsession of the mind. So why can't we get this in L.A. sometimes? Why isn't it obvious to us? I, I tell you, I think some of it is that we start studying this book on Chapter 5. We go into Chapter 5, how it works, and we try to work these steps, and we are not convinced that we are a compulsive overeater. Most of us don't even know what a compulsive overeater is. Most of us raise our hands in a meeting and saying we're a compulsive overeater, and what we're saying is we're fat. We don't want to be fat anymore. We don't understand. It's not obvious to us. Step one is a conclusion. I am powerless. I am powerless from that mental twist that will bring me back to the food every single time. And that propels me to step two where Bill is. When if I Sorry. Um, he's being propelled to step two because now he knows he needs a power. That's why it is obvious to him. God is the answer whether he likes it or not. And if people come into OA and they don't like that answer and God chases them out, the food will chase them back in. Because until we know we're powerless and it's obvious, we're not going to reach towards that, that higher power. Because when people try to say, they, well, I'm working the physical part of the program or I'm working the emotional part of the program. Oops, sorry. I'm uh, the other, this, there is no spiritual part of this program. This entire program is spiritual and until we get to that point until we get to that point where it is obvious we have to look for that higher power we will not be able to move forward in this, in this program and with that I pass thank you very much Kim and thank you to all who shared this morning we'll revisit this tomorrow we'll now close with the reading from the big book on page 164 followed by the serenity prayer Fran would you please read a vision for you? Good morning. This is Fran, Compulsive Overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously, you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then, pass.